Hey there, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Hey, thank you all so much for joining us in this uh, Oxano kickoff for this semester. Uh, my name is Jacob Pierce, and I am the minister to young adults here at Dawson. If you guys haven't had the opportunity yet uh, to meet my wife, her name is Caroline. And um, I wanted to, to, to lead off tonight uh, sharing a little bit, giving you guys a little bit of a glimpse into our marriage. Uh, we've been married for f- four years. It'll be five on uh, May the 12th. But uh, we do this thing every year on our anniversary where uh, we obviously give each other a gift and, um, you know, being the super original people that we are, we borrow from the Hallmark list of gift themes. And so like year one of marriage was like something of paper. And so we, you know, wrote each other a really nice get or a really nice letter. Uh, and then I think the second year it was cotton. Uh, and I can't remember what the third year, but the fourth year, this past year, uh, the theme of the anniversary gift was uh, fruit or fruitfulness. And as you guys can kind of pick up, this is like, sort of just a uh, commercialized plug for edible arrangements. And I was, I was not gonna be that cheesy and just you know, send her a basket of, uh, of, of fruit you know, in, in like a, a funky arrangement. Um, and, and so we had just moved to Birmingham. We had, we'd, uh, I just started this role here at Dawson and uh, we bought a, a fixer upper and we had a really big yard though. That was like the, the major selling point of this house. And so we had, we had tons of room um, for putting plants in the yard. And, you know, Caroline had just kind of self-proclaimed this as a new hobby. And so uh, I, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna surprise her with this, but I'm also gonna give her some autonomy. I'm gonna be like, hey, um, you know, I'd, I'd love for, to, to go to the garden store and like we can pick out all these plants. And y'all, when, when I say that we came back with like the car loaded down to the brim of like, we had a lemon tree, an orange tree, a pomegranate tree, uh, ghost peppers, jalapenos. Um, we had, I mean, the amount of plants that we had is just absurd. And, um, you know, I was like, it's, it's not one of those things where you just like, you, you do this elaborate gesture and then you like walk it back you know, that would be kind of tacky. And so I didn't want to crush her spirit in that way. So I supported her vision to, to keep all of these things alive. All right. And by and large, like she's the one day in, day out, who's responsible for that. You know, she goes out and she waters them. She takes care of it. I'm the person that's like emergency management. Like when the freeze hit a couple of uh, uh, weeks ago, I was the one who like went out and, you know, bear hugged these huge plants and brought them into our glass hen patio. And, um, you know, Caroline's even like put these like specialized light bulbs in there uh, so that they get plenty of UV or uh, plenty of uh, like simulated sunlight, I guess, so that they w- will continue to grow. And so, um, you know, we, we've created this great chore for ourselves, but um, I've, I've learned a lot in, in the past year about what it takes to uh, keep something alive. Uh, to, to keep uh, something uh, and, and give it a climate and environment where it can thrive and grow. And so tonight we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four, where we're gonna talk about as Christians, what are, what are things that we need to, to grow or, or how do we grow? Or, or maybe asking the question of how we grow is not the right question, uh, but, but maybe we should start who, with, with the question of who 
Do we grow into the likeness of? And I think that is the, the, the solution that this passage of scripture gives to us in, in presenting Jesus as that person. You know, I, I mentioned that we came back to Dawson. We, we lived in Dallas the past five years. And, um, you know, some of you in the room I've, I've known for like the last decade or so from my time in student ministry and recreation ministry. And, um, you know, looking out at the room, it, it, it's always like, it definitely makes me feel old, but um, it's always fun to look out and see somebody that I've, I've known for that long and be like, man, like, I remember like where you were and I see like, man, you, you're all grown up now. You know, like I remember back at D-Now weekend or Camp Dawson when like it was just my job to make sure that you made it through that event alive. And like now you're a fully functioning adult. You know who I'm talking to. Um, and, uh, and, and so it, it's, it's incredible to see this like transformation that takes place over time. And so if you're, if you're coming in tonight thinking that growth is like something that you can microwave or snap your fingers, like no, it, it's something that happens over time. Uh, as we grow into the depth of knowledge of who Jesus is. And so let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse one. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, just a little like pastoral itch I want to scratch. Whenever you see a therefore in the passage, maybe your pastor growing up did this, but you always ask yourself the question, what is the therefore, therefore, right? Really cheesy pastoral line, but it's super helpful in contextualizing a passage, right? And so if we, if we look back into Ephesians chapter three, Paul lays out uh, this, this whole uh, idea of how we grow spiritually um, is, is by... Uh, is how he was called to preach the unsearchable riches available to us in Christ and to proclaim the light and the wisdom of God through the church to the rulers of his age. And then he prays that we would live through the strength of the Holy Spirit in us. So that, that helps us stay in context here that, that, G, that Paul is urging us toward exploring the spiritual riches that we have in Christ. And so because of that, he urges us to walk in a manner that's consistent with that. He urges us uh, to put on humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. In other places in the epistles we see where Paul talks about the preeminence of Christ. In, in other words, that, that, that Jesus is king. Jesus is the main character. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. I think uh, our culture, uh, you know, people put out a lot of main character energy uh, in, in the church. Like that shouldn't exist, right? Like Jesus is the main character, right? 
And I wanna press pause on some of these things that we see in Ephesians chapter four, not because I wanna gloss over them, but because if you, if you hang with us for the duration of the semester, we're gonna to get to some of these themes. Uh, we've got a, a sermon series coming up later on the one another passages. And so this idea of unity in the spirit um, and, and how we're called to love one another and bear with one another, we're gonna to get to that in February. So bookmark that. And then in this Psalm that is quoted, uh, Psalm 68, uh, in, in the block quote there, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Uh, right around Easter time, we're gonna be doing uh, Jesus in the Psalms. So we'll have four weeks where we'll be uh, looking at elements of the gospel and the passion narrative from the Psalter. So, um, so hang in there with us. We're gonna, we're gonna get to those things. We've got a lot upcoming in verses 11 through 16. Um, there, there's a, also a, a book that while I'm, while I'm doing plugs here, um, a, a book, it's called Deeper uh, by Dane Ortland. Uh, maybe you guys have, have read Gentle and Lowly. It's a, uh, one of his other books, kind of the, the prequel uh, to, to this book. But I wanted to give a, a shout out to, to Isaac Graham back at the sound booth. Um, a couple of months back, he approached me and said, hey, um, you know, there's, you know, I, I think that we should get together with a group of guys on staff and we should go through this book. And uh, let me tell you, this is a great resource. Um, it, this is kind of like, uh, I, I would say the, the manifesto on uh, growing deeper into your relationship with Jesus. And so um, if you guys don't know this, we have a book stall where, um, you know, we have made like an $80 investment in these books and we're gonna get like a $20 return. We're gonna, it's, it's, we're gonna get a major loss because um, we're selling these books for five bucks. Um, but we wanna put books in your hands and resources in your hands uh, for, for you to um, be able to, to um, more deeply comprehend God's word and, and to, to read sources uh, like this, which are, are really great. So check out uh, deeper. I'm gonna read a, a quote that uh, is gonna kind of set the trajectory and the tone of where we're going the rest of the night. Dane Ortland says this, says, let me suggest that you consider the possibility that your current mental idea of Jesus is the tip of the iceberg, that there are wondrous depths to him, realities about him still awaiting your discovery. I'm not disregarding the real discipleship already at play in your life and the true discoveries of the depths of Jesus Christ you have already made. But let me ask you to open yourself up to the possibility that one reason you see modest growth and ongoing sin in your life, if that is indeed the case, is that the Jesus you are following is a junior varsity Jesus, an unwittingly reduced Jesus, an unsurprising and predictable Jesus. I'm not assuming this is the case. I'm just asking you to test yourself with honesty. So this, this book is like a gut punch with an inspiring ending. Um, but I, I think it, it encapsulates uh, where, where we're at in this passage tonight. Um, that, that if we find ourselves in this stagnant place, in this complacent place, where we know that, that that's the worst part about it, we, we know that we're not growing. Um, but because we, we've experienced that like spiritual high of like first meeting Jesus, or, or maybe it, it sounds like I'm speaking in a foreign language because you've uh, never, you, you could never say like, and look back and say like, yeah, I know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, maybe we, we feel stuck, right? And I think the, the, the anecdote to the, the feeling stuck is to cast yourself deeper into the person of Christ. That Paul says we have unsearchable 
riches available to us in Christ. And, and also that, that Jesus is there with his arms open. He's, he's wanting you to come to him, right? As Paul tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that, that, that Jesus atoned for and took care of the things, the shame that separates us from him and that we can go and approach him freely, that that is the heart of who Jesus is. It says in verse 11, it says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So if you guys are interested, we have an internship called the beta internship. Um, this is a, a part of our ministry where uh, we, we really try to hone in on this call to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Um, if you guys are, are ministry inclined or think that that might be something that you'd be interested in, please, please see Kara or Cole after the service. Um, but I, I wanted to demonstrate to you guys, this is just one way that, um, that we as a church body wanna be obedient to this passage of scripture. Um, and, and the purpose of it is uh, not so that, you know, we could have extra people around here um, at, at Dawson. I mean, it, it is a great place to work and a great place to be, but it's so that we can build up and equip people for serving the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood or adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So it's helpful for us here to know the context of the church at Ephesus. It's in modern day Turkey and it's a port city and so there's all kinds of ideologies that are washing up on the shore of Ephesus. Uh, even in, in the book of Acts, we see where Paul first preaches the gospel there. This, he, he's, not, he's not speaking out of conjecture. He's not speaking out of hypothetical. He's probably speaking and thinking about the specific instance in Acts where he's preaching the gospel and the people who are making money off of the cult of Artemis get really upset with him and then a riot breaks out. Uh, as we see, as the apostles go preaching the gospel in, in, in the book of Acts, we see either a revival or a riot breakout. Ephesus is one of the riot centers. And so Paul is thinking back um, to, to how uh, these, these people were once in darkness and under deceitful schemes, that they're being exploited. He said, no, like we, we want to, to, you to be in a, a, a mature adulthood so that you can thrive under the teaching of the gospel, so that you can flourish and grow into the likeness of Jesus, which is your ultimate good. Verse 15, he's offering a contrast. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I mentioned earlier how I've got a couple years on a lot of you in the room. And um, I just wanted to give kind of a, a news flash to you guys that um, you know, if, you're, if you're like embarking on your mid twenties or maybe you've got a couple years until you're there, you are on the cliff of um, a, a metabolic crisis in your life, okay? It's where you can't just like inconsequentially go out and enjoy cookout and Taco Bell. 
late at night, every night. Um, it's where, um, you know, you, you've like actually got to put in a lot of work to stay in shape. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when you wake up and you're a 30 year old like me, like your back just like hurts uh, for, for no good reason, right? And so um, I, I think like the, the, the cultural response to this, you know, that, that, that we've seen, you know, I've seen some memes out there or posts circulating with the caption like, uh, you know, it's got a picture of a dad bod and it says, uh, I'm sorry if this offends you, but this is what peak male performance looks like, right? Uh, <laughs> and, um, to, to that, I would say, um, you know, guys, let's, let's cut out the cookout and the Taco Bell. Let's, um, let's, let's stick to that New Year's resolution and get in the gym and, and, and get in shape and get uh, exercising, right? Um, and, and throughout the New Testament, we see this uh, imagery, this illustration that is used over and over again that the church is referred to as the body of Christ, right? And so um, what does it look like for uh, the, this local body of Christ or the, the body of Christ at large um, to, to be operating at peak performance, right? Because this is a, um, a, a dynamic situation. This is a living organism, right? This is a body that's in need of maintenance. It's in need of nourishment. Uh, that's in need of healing, right? And maybe at different walks and seasons of life, we can relate to, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the body that's hurting right now. Or I'm, I'm part of the body that is needing to exercise, right? Spiritually and maybe, maybe physically. Um, the, the prevailing image in the New Testament for the church with Christ as the head uh, and the body being a dynamic, transforming um, being, right? That, that is living and breathing. And so the question is, what does growth for the body, the corporate body of Christ look like. In verse 11, we see offices and roles for growth, uh, apostles, evangelists, prophets, teachers, right? That, that these, are, these are not just things for us to aspire to so that people might think well of us. Or these, these are not things that, that we strive after and, um, and, and long to have a gifting for so that we can have a platform so that we can receive a paycheck even. These are things that, that God intended for the good of the church, uh, intended for um, the, the growing and the flourishing of bodies of believers. And I think that, that a lot of times, especially in our culture, people will make the mistake that, that growth is just numeric, right? That um, it, it's one metric that can so quickly become at best a distraction to the mission and at worst can become an idol. That maybe if we have, you know, as charismatic and dynamic a personalities, we can fill up every chair in the room and it can just be a lot of hype and a lot of noise, but not a lot of depth. Right? And far be it from us you know, to, to want to just fill up chairs and not give you this, right? And not give you the, the, the one thing that you need, right? And, and I'm, I'm not projecting or, or speaking out against any other ministry or anything that's going on other than just for us to self-evaluate, right? It's like, are, are we predicating growth in our community off of just charismatic personalities or are we doing it based on the word of God? Are we doing it based on solid teaching? Are we, are we, doing, are we giving people 
the, the person of Jesus as, as the only way to growth, is the only way to truly experience life. And, and don't, hear, don't hear me wrong. Like we, we certainly want to see more people engaged and invested in what we believe God is calling us to do here. But, but growth is, is holistic. It's sustainable. And it's centered squarely on the person and the work of Jesus. And so we, we want people to come here, but then we want them to also know Jesus and experience him in a relational depth um, and, and to experience that with, with other people. And so in a sentence, holistic and sustainable growth is directly tied to relational depth with Jesus. Uh, relational depth, uh, also known as intimacy, right? That um, intimacy is, is fostered by self-revelation and faithfulness, right? That's um, you know, a, a formula that I figured out in the very short time that I've been married, right? That like um, I, I've learned something about this person that I didn't know the day before um, and that I remain faithful to them, right? And, and our union with Christ is similar in that way, right? That, that we wanna know more about who Jesus is and that we remain faithful to the commands that he's given us in our lives. Because what we know is that, that, that Jesus um, has, has fully revealed who God is in the person of Christ and that he's remained perfectly faithful. He did not, he never sinned. He never fell short. There's a really great uh, worship album called Live at the Night by John Mark McMillan. And the songs are, are awesome, right? Um, but the, the little excerpts that he does, you know, usually when like a music person starts preaching, preachers get uncomfortable because they're like, hey, we don't sing, you guys shouldn't preach, right? But John Mark McMillan is straight up preaching in, uh, in, in this album. And uh, he says, you know, he starts talking about how our, our culture is infatuated with the novelty of love, right? That like every love song that you hear is about someone meeting for the first time or maybe admiring somebody from afar. They don't really know him that well. But he says, intimacy is way better than novelty, right? The, the, the day in, the day out, the, the people, the you know, precious old couple that you meet here that's been married for 50 years, that is a beautiful level of intimacy, right? And so may, may we desire to have intimacy with Jesus rather than trying to recreate this novel experience. We try to recreate this spiritual high of when we, when we first meet, meet Jesus, he's calling us into mature adulthood. He's calling us into a deeper relationship that's more layered, that's more tested. So I believe that, that we have two applications. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna take this idea of holistic and sustainable growth and tying it directly to the relational depth that we have with Jesus, I believe that um, the, the first outcome that we're gonna see is corporate maturity or communal maturity, that we are a ministry that is characterized by unity and love. So what the, the vision that Paul is putting forward in this passage, these are, these are not my words, that we would be a ministry that is characterized by unity and love. You know, I think it's a little bit countercultural to talk about a corporate application because a lot of times we go to scripture, well, what is God saying to me? Um, but this passage is very much oriented toward uh, the, the collective body of Christ. 
And so when I, when I say this to you and I lay this vision out to you, it's not just a, hey, here's some steps that you can take or things that you can do, but it's, it's what, are, what are we doing as the collective whole, as, as a corporate community? And I believe that, that Paul is laying out a vision that we would be a ministry that's characterized by unity and love. Then onto individual application and individual maturity. I believe that looks like embracing the journey of looking more like Jesus as we love him and others around us. Right, that, um, like I said earlier, this isn't like a, a microwave approach. Right, this is like one day at a time for the rest of your life. And as individual parts of the whole, if, if we buy into this vision of diving deeper into the person of Christ and growing in our intimacy with him, then the corporate ap application is gonna take care of itself, right? That, that we would be a ministry that is marked by unity and love as we are individuals going on the journey of looking more like Jesus. At the end of the day, I mean, what, what could be a loftier goal, right? It's good that, that we're not left without help. Paul makes it very clear that, that it is the Holy Spirit at work within us. It is God alive inside of us, right? That, that we would be people who wouldn't quench that, but we would be people who would be open to God's leading. We'd be people that know his word. It would be people who obey his command, right? And, and you can't reverse engineer that, right? You've got to start with the person of Christ. You got to start with being enamored with who Jesus is. And when, when Paul talks about mature adulthood in this passage, um, you know, we, we don't, can't really account for the, the New Testament context of like what adulthood meant, right? We, we read this like really interesting story about Jesus when he was a teenager and uh, he's, he's teaching in the temple and Mary and Joseph have like no idea where Jesus went to. And sometimes like you can take a, a cheap shot at Mary and Joseph and be like, these are terrible parents. Like they just lost Jesus. Like how do you lose God's son, right? Um, but, but what would have been happening, they were, they were traveling on an excursion, right? And so um, Joseph would have been up at the front of the caravan with the men, Mary in the back, right? And so like the men and the women all traveled together and the, excuse me, the women and children all traveled together. And then the men were in a separate part just for safety reasons, right? Um, there wasn't like a, um, you know, someone that was, uh, you know, gonna be a bodyguard for them. It's kind of like, you know, going on the Oregon Trail. It's just, anything goes, right? Um, and, and so like there was this misunderstanding about where Jesus was in the caravan, right? And the other assumed that, well, you know, Joseph assumed, well, he's gonna be with Mary. Mary assumed he's gonna be with Joseph. But when they came and found him, Mary was upset with him. Like, you know, he, he's lecturing uh, these religious leaders uh, on, on the scriptures. And he's like, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? Right, and I think like there's a, a level of curiosity with that passage that and, until I understood that context, um, and, and, and it kind of you know opened up this like broader idea of like man, there's like really not a concept of adolescence in the Bible, right? And so like this like stage of life that like we've inserted in as you know 21st century American people, we have like 
periods of like extended adolescence, right? And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying like, hey, you guys like should have reached the maturity of adulthood by the time you were 15. <laughs> that's that's unreal, unrealistic expectation, right? Um, but the stage of life that you're in is like the most radical change that you're gonna go from like being a child to being an adult. And you're right in the middle of it, right? And you're gonna experience more change over the next decade of your life than you did previously and you will in the future. Not to say that like, you know, being over 30 is like really bleak. I think I, I really um, enjoy this stage of life, right? Um, it, contrary to what I've said otherwise tonight. But um, you're in this phase where, and you have so many drastic changes that are happening to you. Um, you have intense seasons that you're going through to prepare for what God has called you to do in your life. And what I would submit to you is that there are a lot of ways in which um, the world around us and maybe even within Christian culture, we might define adulthood that look very little or nothing like conformity to who Jesus is. Like maybe, maybe stated better, right? There are like ways that, that we try to like manufacture adulthood and say, like, oh, I made it because I have X degree or I made it because I have this relationship or I got the ring by spring, like I'm an adult now. Or, um, you know, I, uh, I, I make this certain amount of money. I'm not dependent on my parents for income. Uh, there are ways that like we can superficially think that we arrived at mature adulthood. Well, I don't think that that's really the, the idea that the scripture presents. I think that when, when Paul talks about mature adulthood, he's, he's painting a picture of us being conformed into the image of Christ, of becoming more humble people, right? Becoming uh, people who have a burden for the loss and the hurting. Becoming people who uh, desire the things that Jesus desired. Being faithful to the commands that he has given us, right? I think, I think that vision, that idea of maturity um, for the church Right? Not, not to say that all those things I list off earlier are, are negative things. Like those can all be like really positive things that, that help you grow in maturity. But, but don't think that like, you know, collecting these honor badges of adulthood is gonna get you there, right? Those things, those things come when we start in a starting place of relational depth with Jesus, right? That like there are people that are well into their 50s and 60s um, who like internally, spiritually are children. And I, I, don't, I don't say that to be catty or rude or ugly, right? I say it just to, to be realistic, right? Maybe you know people like that in your life. And so the, the, the decision that you have to, to, to make tonight and every day going forward is how am I going to dive deeper into the person of Jesus and submit myself to being conformed into his likeness. Because that is the measure of true manhood or womanhood. When we begin to look more like Christ and less like our former selves. And so as we transition into our 120 seconds tonight, that's the, that's the, the challenge I wanna put out in front of you. Um, if you guys are new to Oxano, we, we do something called 120 seconds. It's two minutes where we have uh, just 
complete silence for, for you to reflect on the things that we talked about tonight. And so, um, you know, as, as, as we lay out this vision for where we wanna be as a ministry and who we wanna be as a people, and we think about what, what are actionable steps that I can take, uh, I, I trust that the spirit of the Lord is gonna impress upon your heart um, where, where your starting point is for that. So let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word. And uh, God, we're, we're grateful for, um, God, where, where it finds us. Um, God, that, that you are gracious with us. Um, but also, God, we, we, we thank you that you convict us, um, that you challenge us. God, that I, I pray that you would, you would crush um, the thoughts of complacency, um, the contentment with the status quo, God, that, that we um, would, would be called out of that tonight, God, that we would um, desire more and uh, not just things that, that we can add to our lives that um, we think that will give us more enjoyment or things that will make us happy, but ultimately, God, that we would entrust our souls to the one thing that we know that we need, and that is more of you and less of ourselves. And so God, as I, as I proclaim this over this, this group of people tonight, God, these, these uh, young adults, these college students, um, God, I pray that, um, that, that you'd work in our hearts, God, that you would um, you challenge me to that end, um, that you challenge the ministry leaders in this room, uh, God, that we would um, look more like Christ as, as a collective. And uh, God, we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you're interested in the songs that we sing, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. We'll see you next week.